Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? Ah, man, I'm doing great, man. No complaints, man. No complaints. All right. And uh, also, I'm pleased to announce I have a special guest here, Mr. Kyle Green. Introduce yourself what? to the people, man. How's it going? Man, what's up, man? I'm super excited um, to be here. Um, apologies for the last time, man. I, so my son, um, he got accepted into Pace Academy. That's a private school in Atlanta, Georgia. And so on Monday, um, I was dropping him off. Uh, I'm I'm sad. Today is only, what, Wednesday now? I'm sad that, you know, it's, I, I've not had him in the house every single day. So I'm glad to be here. Um, and I can't wait to um, get into the questions, man, have a conversation around fatherhood. I absolutely love being a father. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Cool. Uh, well, first off, congratulations to your son for uh, for being accepted into the school. Um, how, how many kids do you have and what's their ages? So I have two kids. Um, my story is kind of, you know, a little bit different. I became a teenage father at the age of 16. I had my daughter when I was in the 10th grade, man. I thought I made the biggest mistake in life. Um, but she constantly reminds me that she is my most beautiful and my most precious uh, blessing. She made me really, she introduced me to fatherhood at a very early age. Um Oh, man, it's so dope, man. Me and her, we wrote our, our we wrote a book together. It's called Hashtag Father Daughter Goals. Oh, cool. A beautiful bond between a father and his daughter was formed by a simple promise. Oh, that's awesome. And that promise was this, man. I said, God, if my family don't turn their backs on me, because you know how that can be, man. You have a kid early, they kind of shun you. I said, if my church still look at me the same, my grandmother raised me in the church, so I didn't want to be an embarrassment to my church. I said, if my friends... And my teacher still saw me in the same light that they once did, like this promising young student who had a whole bunch of potential. Um, I said, if they, if they didn't look at me differently, man, I said, I would try to be the greatest father that I could be. Um, and so I think I lived up to that promise. Me and her wrote a book together. I had full custody of her since she was seven. Um, she graduated from college last year. She got a degree in business administration, got a minor in leadership. Um, so like, I'm so, so excited about her, her progress, her success. And then I have a son, um, KJ is 15. He is one of the top basketball players in the state of South Carolina. Now goes to school in Georgia. He's number two overall basketball player for the class of 2024, number one point guard. So I'm just really blessed, man. I got two amazing, super dope kids. And I, I try to tell people all the time. Like they may see me spend a lot of time with my daughter on social media because, you know, her her ultimate goal is to become an actress. So sometimes I use my platform to help build up her. So people see us a lot on social media, but I, I don't spend more time um, with one child than I do with the other. And so if anybody has multiple kids, man, I just want y'all to take that away from this conversation. Don't make one child feel like you do more for the other. Um, when I was going with my son, when he played basketball in Hampton, Virginia, um, I would drive five, six hours just for him to go to practice. And we would spend time on the road and basketball is our common denominator. And my daughter is like social media. Um, so I know that was a really long winded question. You asked me how many kids I had too. And I almost gave you the entire interview, but you can see, man, I love, I love being a dad. I love being a father. 
Nah, nah, man, it's like, worry, the, it's like the uh, pill, pill uh, from the onion with that, man. Uh, <laughs> I would ask you this, man. Take me back to when you were 16, man. I can only imagine like what was going through your head. So when you, when you uh, were 16 and you found out you were becoming a dad for the first time, like uh, take me back to that moment, man. How uh, yeah. was yeah. Yeah, so I was, I was scared. I was nervous. I denied it. I remember her mom came up to me and she was like, yo, Kyle, I'm pregnant. And I was like, not by me. She was like, Kyle, I wasn't with nobody else. You told me not to be with nobody else. I'm like, nah, man, my homeboy said he hit. My homeboy never said he hit. I just said that um, because I didn't want to become a dad, man. Like, I'm where you're 16 in the 10th grade and somebody come to you telling you, like, they're pregnant, bro. Like, my heart, heart dropped in my, like, probably on the floor, not even in my stomach. It probably dropped completely out of me. Um, because I didn't know, I wasn't prepared. I was just a kid myself. And you trying to tell me I'm about to have a kid and I'm about to have these responsibilities. I was super scared. I was beyond nervous. I was, I was embarrassed. Um, just cause you know, I didn't think that that was something you're supposed to do. Like, so I, um, I denied it for a while, man. And her mom hated me when she was pregnant with me. I mean, pregnant with Bree. Uh, so uh, Cal, can you tell us about your experience um, learning that you were a dad? Man, crazy, crazy experience. So I don't even know what what experience you want me to start with. Um, man, and, and what's crazy is, so when when my daughter was born, she must have knew that I must have denied her early because anytime that I would want to grab her and hold her, she would cry so loud. She didn't want me to touch her. It was almost like I was an alien um, and she didn't want to have anything to do with me. So I'm like, dang, I don't know how I can make this girl like me. Like, I don't know how I can make her love me. I don't know how, like, she can stop crying when she sees me. Um, so that was one experience. And that was a that was one that really bothered me at first because it felt like something was wrong with me. And I, and I was like, maybe I'm just a young dad and maybe I don't understand how to really hold a child, how to really caress one, how to really like, you know, make them feel like that, that, that love and that affection. Um, So I kind of went through that for maybe like the first six, seven months of her life. Um, That was one experience that I can remember. Um, I can remember when she was born, uh, my grandmother was still living. My grandmother raised me um, and my, my sister, man, my grandmother had 18 kids and she raised me and my sister. Um, so my grandmother, that was like her great grand. And just to see how my grandmother would like hold and love on, you know, my daughter, it meant so much to me because I knew how my grandmother loved, um, you know, loved and loved on me. So that was like a really dope, like, I, I still remember that experience of her sitting her on her lap and, you know, just rocking her foot and just like patting her on her butt. Like, I don't know why that sticks out so vividly in my mind now. Yeah. And it may be because my grandmother is no longer here. Um, but that was a moment that really meant a lot to me to see my grandmother, whom I love so dearly, to love on like my child. Um, so those are just two experiences that kind of come to mind. I, w- I really wasn't there and involved. I was still in school. Um, again, I had it in the 10th grade. So my family, her family kind of did like the heavy lifting as far as like changing diapers and, you know, all of that kind of other, other stuff. Cause we were just kids ourselves. So those were the early experiences. Now if we talk about like, if we get into the conversation, you ask me later, like, I got a whole lot of experiences about that. 
what was like okay you, you spoke on your grandmother so like what was how did you break the news to her you know what's crazy <laughs> my grandmother used to always say Kyle don't you get that girl pregnant now I know something going on <laughs> oh grandma nah nothing nothing's going on bro you cannot get nothing past grandma's like <laughs> um so I don't even I don't even really remember me telling her. I think one of my aunts or somebody might have told her, and she was almost kind of hit me with the Kyle, I told you so. Um, and but I do remember her saying, You're gonna be a dad, you're gonna be a father to this child. Like I do remember her giving me that that like tough love, but she didn't like come down too hard on me. Cause sometimes, man, as a young dad, like that. That can almost be demoralizing if something just come down on you so so hard um, and so bad. So I'm I'm glad my grandmother still loved me the same when she found out. So uh, you got the, fir- the first daughter's here. Then uh, number two, the son comes. Uh, how old were you when you had your son? So I had my son in 2006. So let's see. So my daughter's 23 now. So I had my son. Man, you have to bring me put <laughs> the calculator out. <laughs> right. I'm like, hold on. How old? So that was so we in 2021. So that was 15 years ago. Yep. So, so let's do 34. So yeah, I was 23. Like 23. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 20. Hey, I tell people all the time, right? I am not the smartest person. Like I still count and add on my fingers. So me trying to do that in my head, I'm like, now nah, let me pull this calculator out because I, <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. But again, I know what my strengths are. I know what my weaknesses are. And math isn't one of them. <laughs> so when you found out you was having your son, uh, walk me through that journey from uh, those seven to eight years. Your, your daughter's seven to eight years old now. Uh, how did the experience of having your daughter young affect you when you had your second son? Like, uh, you know, what type of father were you at that point? So I was, so what's crazy is my daughter got put in foster care when she was like three or four. Not sure what really happened. Her mom was adopted. So the States took her when she got in trouble. Um, I went off to college. Um, the person I was dating then who became my wife, she was like, yo, Kyle, you need to get, you need to get custody of your child. I never lost parental rights. So I petitioned the courts, got appointed in a guardian ad litem, got a lawyer, um, did everything that I was supposed to do. And I got full custody of my daughter when she was seven. So then a year later, um, my son was born and it was so different because I was there. I saw it. I was able to experience it. I was, I was there when her mom, you know, had those weird, um, cravings and I had to go get like pickles and ice cream. I don't think that was one of hers, but I'm just saying it was weird. Um, I was in the, the hospital room. And when she started contracting and when they tried to, you know, my son, he came out big. He was like nine pounds, eight ounces, 21 inches long. Um, so they had to do an emergency C-section and they had to do the epidural. And like, I saw all of that. And I remember when um, um, they put up like the curtain and they told me like, don't look over when, you know, they was taking the William and I looked over and I was like, man, I think I see like my wife guts and intestines, like just sitting there. <laughs> I have no idea if that's what I saw. I think that's what I saw. It felt like that's what I saw. Um, so like I experienced everything, like, and it made me have a newfound respect for women 
who birthed out children, who carry a child because the way they body expands and the, like the, just what they had to go through. I remember they was giving her the epidural and it was like, you can't move. We put in this needle. And if you move, you can become paralyzed. Like just everything that a woman goes through, man, it made me appreciate Bree's mom even more because I knew what she went through carrying my daughter because I saw what Charmaine went through carrying my son. So I was glad that I was able to experience childbirth in an operating room, in a delivery room, being in the hospital, 15 hours of labor. Like I, I love that, man. I, I absolutely love it. I have a whole admiration um, for women who um, who carry children. That's cool. So um, just to switch gears a little bit, um, earlier in the conversation, you said that your son is an athlete. Yes. So, and on top of that, like one of the top athletes. Yes. So what is like, what has that journey been like as far as being the father of, you know, a top uh, athlete? Um, so I remember when KJ was maybe six or seven, he was sitting in the back of my truck. I had an avalanche then. And he said, yo, dad, I want to become one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And I turned back and I was like, what you said? He said, I want to become one of the greatest basketball players of all time. If you see my name on here, it's Kyle the Goat. And we we big on being the greatest of all times. And I was like, bro, it's going to take a whole lot of work. It's going to take a whole lot of drive, a whole lot of dedication. Um, so I started training him. Um, he started playing basketball like at the age of four. Mm-hmm. To this day, man, almost every single night he sleep with his basketball. He got a book um, about Tim Duncan. I forgot the book that Tim Duncan wrote, but he like got that book, read it. He studied basketball players. Like when I was his coach, um, I was really big on fundamentals and the development of being like uh, all around like great basketball player. I remember the first time he played with somebody because he was taller than everybody. They put him down low and said that he was going to be a center. I said, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm training up a point guard. Like his development, his process, um, when I was his coach up until when – I decided to have him play on a team that was in Hampton, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. And we lived in Columbia, South Carolina. And I would have to drive five and a half hours. And I did that for three years to put him on his team and him winning not one, but two D1 AU national championships. And just the sacrifices that I had to make as a father, the sacrifices that he had to make um, as a student athlete not spending time with his friends, not going to the skating ring, not going to different, you know, his friends' birthday parties because he was going with his AAU team that was in Hampton, Virginia. Maybe they was in Manassas, or maybe he had a tournament in Washington, D.C., or maybe he had a tournament in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Like, the sacrifices that him and I have made for his success right now is paying off, especially, you know, when the rankings came out and it showed that he is the number two player in the state of South Carolina. I don't know how many athletes we have in the class of 2024, but it's not, say, five. It's hundreds, maybe not thousands of players. And for him to be number two in the number one point guard, it just talks about the sacrifices that we made, the the times and the hours that we spent in the gym, that me jumping on him, me being hard on him um, has really paid off. And it's something beautiful to have one of the kids that's highly recruited, that colleges are asking about, that's inquiring about, 
people writing articles saying that he's probably going to be one of the next great point guards that come out of South Carolina, man, you know, we got the John Morant's, you know, we had the, the Ray Allen's, you know, we got the Zions, you know, like the basketball eye is on South Carolina, man. We had the top two players come out of our state. Um, and then they went on to the NBA and doing some amazing things. And I don't even know if that's going to be the same journey for my son, but I'm going to give him every opportunity, every tool, every resource for him to be successful. And that's kind of how Pace Academy came along the way. And now he's at a national school that plays a national schedule. His coach just became the 16 and under head coach for Team USA. And my son gets all of that now from a prestigious school like Pace Academy. So it's been a beautiful journey. That's cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. Man. So you got a lot of uh, proud papa moments. Man, I'm <laughs> telling you, bro, like super proud. <laughs> Who does he pattern his game after? So my his favorite player, I wanted it to be Steph Curry. Just because I love how Steph. Now, what's crazy is I train him like a Steph Curry with the move. Like if you and I and I'll send y'all some links. So if you follow me on social media, Kyle speaks on Instagram or Kyle Green on Facebook. I post a lot of videos, so you'll see he plays like a Steph Curry. Um, but his favorite pre- player is LeBron James. He absolutely oh. loves LeBron James. <laughs> I can't stand it. I said Michael Jordan is the goat. <laughs> My son and my daughter both love LeBron James. We are a house divided. Um, but again, LeBron James is in there. Like, that's who they see. What's crazy, though, is I like when um, – what was Michael Jordan thing that came on um, 30 for 30? Um, oh, the, last uh, the Last Dance, yeah. Yeah, so my daughter was like, oh, your dad. Like, I see what you're talking about about MJ. But my son still think that LeBron James is the GOAT. So he kind of patterned his game after LeBron James. Um, but he studies Kyrie Irving. He studies uh, uh, James Harden. Um, and he studies uh, uh, like Luka. So if you saw his game, you'll see something from each of those players in his game. That's cool. Yeah, I know um... – Nowadays, you know, people are able to look at YouTube clips and like kind of look at like the movements, like really get down to the like nitty gritty of how to get to a certain spot on the floor. So uh, the kids nowadays have a, have a, a distinct advantage in regards to walking, watching film. I'm telling you, I'm telling <laughs> you. I, and I, I wish I kind of wish that I had because I was I was good in football, basketball and track. And see, I was I played so many sports. I was kind of like that. Um, what's that? What's that saying? Um, when you're good at multiple things, you're not the ruler of one. So I was like, yeah. the, so for him, all he focused on is just basketball. Like all year round. All year round. Yeah, that's good. I was yeah. trying to play football, basketball, track, track season, trying to get ready for basketball, <laughs> football, trying to get ready for thing. Like I was all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any like uh, pitfalls or like uh, things that you have to look out for as a father, as far as like your son being an athlete? Yeah, man, um, because you always you always got to look out for the person that's trying to mooch and the person that's trying to be like a, a prey or um, that, that's just trying to get on because they they potentially see what he can become. Mm-hmm. So I constantly got to make sure I have him around good trainers um, who and, and, and I'll be like, how much you how much you charge? Uh, he good. No, no, no. How much do you charge? Because I don't want you to say I owe you something later on now if we build something 
and we have loyalty on both sides because we're a loyal family. Me, my wife, my son, my daughter, we loyal. So if we become, um, you know, if we get in bed, sort of say, like for that analogy with someone, then we want it to be beneficial, not just for you, but we want it to be beneficial for us too. So I have to watch out for people who see what they can get out of him. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. there's a lot of people like that in this basketball world. Um, when we decided that we were going to move to um, Atlanta and for him to go to Pace, my phone was blowing up from AU coaches, from trainers saying, oh, he good, he can come to my gym. But then I'm like, nah, man, like, you're not just going to, like, hop in when he's 15, about to go to the 10th grade. After we've put all of this work, we put all of this sweat equity into how we develop him. So kind of got to watch out for people like that. Got you. Um, so I asked you a question, and uh, you gave me a good answer already. So I asked you, um, what does fatherhood mean to you? And uh, Kyle, you said uh, fatherhood means being present, showing love, and always supporting my kids on their journey in life. So you yeah. talked about that in, in relation to your son, like taking those long drives. And um, but what else? Uh, or could you expound on that further? Yeah, so like, man, just being being present, man. In, in the book that I wrote with my daughter called Hashtag Father Daughter Goals, right? In that book, I talk about, I, we, got a, we got a journey, and I call my chapters journeys. We got a journey in there, and I talk about, uh, it's titled Making Memories. And I say in there, you are your child's CMO, Chief Memory Officer. Like, Chief Memory Officer. It is your responsibility to make and to create memories that will go on with your child, even when you're no longer present. And I think the only way that you can do that is by being present in their lives. Like when my daughter played basketball, I never missed any of her games. Her last two years, I did player development for her, her high school basketball team. I was the assistant coach her last year. Like I was present in everything, everything that was important to them meant something to me. It wasn't just going to be important to them and I not be there. So I think as fathers, um, we have to be present in the life of our kids. We have to display love. We have to not just say, I love you, but we have to show them that we love them. Um, And I think once you stay involved, once you always present, once you show them that you love them, you show them that you care, um, you help produce good citizens like you help produce a good product for for society and the way that society is set up man i think fathers play an integral role in the ultimate success of not just their community but into the success of the world by what you give your kids that's awesome yeah i heard somebody say um you know when they say that they want to have good kids we want to have good kids for a reason so they can grow up to be, you know, good adults. Yes. Yeah. yeah, So, and and we, and we, and we play a part of that, man, especially, especially dads. Cause I always say this daughters look for the character in other men that they see in their dad and Mm -hmm. boys embody the character that they see in their fathers. So if you produce a good, daughter right if you help to develop create um and train up a good daughter she's gonna find someone 
who has that same character that her dad embodies. And if you do that in your son, he's then going to go out into the world and then embody the same character, the same personality, the same characteristics that he sees in his father. And if I'm doing the right things, if I'm being present, if I'm involved in my community, if I'm doing the right thing, then my kids are going to ultimately do that. Yeah. So like with you being uh, a young father, like what type of dating advice do you give your kids? Man, yo, I, it's crazy because I give them different advice. I tell my daughter, stay away from people who are like me. Um, and I tell my son, don't let this one girl like lock you up, lock you down. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, see what else is out there. Um, so it's a, it's a double standard. It's a triple standard, probably, because <laughs> <laughs> my, my daughter be like, Dad, you let KJ do stuff you wouldn't even ever let me do. You never let me go on a date when I was in the ninth grade. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Boys, <laughs> you wouldn't let me go to the movies, sweetie. I was trying to have sex when I went to the movies. No, ma'am. I'm, you can't. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of like a double standard. Um, and it might not necessarily been a good thing. But my daughter turned out to to really be super, super dope, super dope. And I always told her, I was like, Bree, you're going to have to break the generational like cycle that I started having kids early. Like if I would have just let you ran wild and ran, ran rapid, you might have potentially had a daughter um, or a child when you was in the you know 10th grade, when you were 16 years old. So I was really hard on her. And hopefully by me being hard on her, nipping it in the butt with her. Hopefully it won't happen um, with my son. Yeah. With that being said, I got it's, it's like a, maybe like a twofold question. Um, first off, uh, like, uh, what was your relationship, relationship like with your biological father? And uh, and two, what uh, takeaways did you take away from your grandmother? Because it's not like she had a bunch of experience raising a lot of kids and a lot of uh, a lot of people. So, a whole uh, lot of kids. <laughs> like, what did you take away from her in, in, in regards to you being a father? So my dad, man, my dad wasn't in the home. Um, my dad, he lived in the next town over. So I didn't grow up with my dad in a home, but I would go spend time with my grandparents on my dad's side of the family who lived in Beaufort, um, St. St. Helena Island. I would spend time with them and my dad would be there all the time until he built this house. But I always stayed with my, my grandparents. But my dad was a high school coach for like 40 years. So basketball was um, passed down to me, my love for the game because of him. Um, and my dad taught me, you know, he taught me like life lessons. And, you know, when I would spend time with him during the summer, but I was only like, you know, 30, 40 days out of 365 years. So my grandmother, I mean, 365 days, but my grandmother, man, my grandmother raised me because my mom chose a life of drugs. And when I was a kid, I cried out because I wanted my mom to be present. I couldn't understand how drugs became such an addiction. So when I was a kid, I hated my mother um, because I felt like my mom put so much stress on my grandmother. My grandmother, like I said, she had 18 kids. I got 11 uncles, seven aunts. Um, and my grandmother, uh, uh, like, raised me and my sister, but my mom was her baby girl. And so my my mother would, my grandmother would cry because my mom wasn't there. And, I, and it would make me cry, and it would make me hate my mom even more. But my grandmother showed me perseverance, and she showed me, 
you know, how to pray because I would hear her praying at night when she would cry. And I would hear her always, you know, believe in something greater than herself. And so she instilled all of those qualities. My grandmother did so much in her community. And it's the reason why I do so much in my community. I did a rally for Trayvon Martin when he was murdered because my son came down to me, he said, yo, dad, I can't wear my rock star hoodie because I might get killed like Trayvon Martin. And I didn't want my son to have that same type of mindset. And I remember my grandmother doing so much in her community when someone would die. And I said, yo, I got to do something in my community because one, my son can't think like that. And two, I can't have other kids think like that in my community. So I did this rally. In two days, y'all, it went viral. I called it a 1,000 hoodie march in honor of Trayvon Martin. In two days, on Saturday morning, 3,700 people showed up at Finley Park because of a dream that I had. So anybody that's listening, man, you can be the change that you want to see in your community because I was that change. And I saw my grandmother do it and she instilled that into me. And so I knew it was important that I had to do something for my community. So I'm telling you, all you need is a dream. And all you need is people to believe in your dream and people around you can help make your dream become a reality. So I did this rally 3,700 people showed up and we were able to affect change in our community. And it's all like the things that my grandmother instilled in me. Kyle, you do something for somebody else that's less fortunate for you. Kyle, you fight for what you believe in. My grandmother instilled all of those characteristics, all of those teachings, and that made all of the difference in my life today. Y- y'all got me in my motor. Y'all know I do- I'm a motivational speaker, man. Y'all made me, y'all made me give motivational speeches now. No, it's a certain uh, it's a certain rhythm that motivational speakers have when they talk, man. You got a, you got a certain uh, rhythm to you, man. I'm a, I'm a, I, I know when to let you rock, man. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. I almost took over the whole like conversation. No, you good, you good, bro. Yeah, you good, man. This this has been a dope interview, man. And um, I know we're getting a little bit close to time, but I have one more question for you. So, if you could give advice to a, a father uh, just just starting out. Like, what would it be? Man, what I'll say, bro, is it's no rule book. It's no owner's manual. It's no documentation that you can go look up on Google to how to be a great father. All you have to do is what you believe is right. And that when you get it wrong, don't be afraid to say, yo, I got it wrong. I messed up. Like, but give me a chance to fix it. Man, I remember I used to be so hard on my daughter about dating and boys and stuff. And it was one time it caused us almost to like have World War III. And I had to go to my daughter and say, yo, sweetie, man, my bad. Like that meant so much to her to just apologize because I got it wrong. And kids appreciate that. So even if you're not in good standings with the child's mother, If the child mom might be using the kid as a pawn to keep you away, you just keep showing up. You just keep doing whatever it is that you can do Um, because kids appreciate that. And you don't want to become that father who wasn't there because you were afraid, because you were nervous, because you were scared. Nah, man, like don't be afraid to make a mistake, but then also don't be afraid to say that you got it wrong when you got it wrong, because sometimes as adults, sometimes as men, we allow our ego to get in our way. I'm telling you, man, don't allow your ego to mess up your opportunity to be presently involved in your kid's life because your presence will make a difference and your difference will be the thing that will make a difference in your child's life when they get older. So keep showing up, keep being involved, keep being present, keep showing love, keep 
like doing the right thing when nobody else is watching. And I'm talking about being a dad. Like when nobody else is watching, man, send them some cash app money, send them a book, send them words of encouragement, send them advice. Like before every game almost, man, I would send a text to my son and my daughter and say, yo, be great. Like you, you from, you from royalty. Like your ancestors, like are royal, like you've come from a, a bloodline of successful people from slaves. Like you don't got no choice but to be great. And that just motivates them. And that gives them the inspiration and the extra push that they need when the world is telling them, oh, you're not good enough or you don't, you can't be successful. Or, you know, with my son, people screaming at, telling them whatever the case might be. Like he blocks all that out because he said, yo, my dad said, like, I'm cut from royalty. Like my life has purpose. Like I'm destined for greatness. Like keep showing and speaking life into your kids, man. And it'll be the difference. It's dope. It's dope. Beautiful, man. That's beautiful, man. Hey, I'll, one I'll, last question, man. I know this ahead, is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Has your son ever watched uh, He Got Game? I don't... I didn't. I haven't watched it with him. He's not... He's like his mom. He's not a big movie person. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I'll ask him. I don't think he did because he didn't watch it with me. But I love he got game. Yeah, that's, that's a, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah, man, he, he might we might need to watch that together. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Oh, go ahead, Royce. I'm sorry. No, I was about to say, uh, Kyle, man, uh, I got I got something to say, man. Uh, this is probably one of my my favorite episodes too, man. We have a Hall of Fame. I'm gonna put this in the Hall of Fame, man, because uh, <laughs> WTF Hall of Fame. <laughs> so, so let me let me let me say this, man. This is gonna be the motivational piece, man. Let me say this as, as we close. I, I, I say this every time I finish speaking. Success in your life doesn't just happen. Every morning you wake up, you're given another opportunity to make it happen. Success is simply a mindset. And those who think that they can become successful many times do, while those who think that they can't many times don't. How are you thinking? How do you view your current situation? Is it success or is it a failure? Are you basing your success on those around you? And if you are, who's to say that they're even successful? Quit looking into the mirror of others, trying to find a reflection of what your success looks like. Your success looks like you. You own your success. And if you stay off into your mirror long enough and you don't like what's reflecting back at you, only you, not your mother, not your brother, not your sister, your cousin, but only you have the ability to change it. So do something in your life that has never been done. Do something in your life that will cause your haters to stop and acknowledge your accomplishment. Achieve a goal that not even a family member said that you could do or had a chance on completing. Birth out that dream, that dream that lives in the pits of your belly. Birth it out into a world and make it one of the greatest realities that mankind has ever seen. Yes, you and not just me can do some amazing things. If only you just think that you can. Yes, you are not just your friend. You can defy all the odds. You can beat back all the stereotypes. You can become whoever it is that you desire to be. Yes, you are not just a local businessman or businesswoman. One day you can own your own business, hiring your own people, being your own boss. You can do the unthinkable. If only you just think that you can. You can do the impossible. If only you believe in the endless possibilities that surround you each and every day. And guess what, y'all? You can reach heights that you once thought were unreachable. But first, you just got to be willing to reach out your hands. Man, this is WTF. I'm excited to be here, man. Go change the world. Go be great, yo, man. Yo. The world needs you. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Man, I'm going to oh. go on the march right now. <laughs> 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 right now, man. That's what's up, man. We definitely got to talk more, man, offline. But, uh, man, this has been a good one, man. So if you had to tell uh, people where to reach you, man, uh, where would they have to go? 
to get to you. Man, please follow me on social media, man. I'm on Instagram. It's Kyle Speaks underscore. That's where you get all my motivational videos, just my son's journey, my daughter's journey. Um, you see me do these TikTok challenges. I can't dance. I have no rhythm, but I still do them because my daughter loves doing them. Um, you can follow me there. If you're on Facebook, it's Kyle A. Green. That's green with an E at the end. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter. Again, that's another platform where I post videos, my son, um, the journey of my kids. Um, and that's Kyle Speaks. So follow me everywhere, man. And if I can be ever any assistance to what y'all guys doing, man, uh, to anybody else that's listening, that's watching, please reach out to me, man. I just love helping people. I believe in everybody's greatness and everybody has the potential to be great. We just got to reach deep down inside and tap into it. So if I can help you tap into your potential for greatness, please reach out to me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, Dr. Raheem, did you have anything else before we close? No, nah, just um, I want to thank you, Kyle, for coming on uh, with us, man. This was this was awesome, man. Man, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Much respect to y'all, man. I got to get out to Chi-Town, the Windy City. <laughs> man, come on out, man. We got some good food for you, man. Some good times, too, man. So, yeah. All right, so yeah, without further ado, man, for myself, Sir Royce Brialis, for Dr. Raheem Young, and for Cal the GOAT, <laughs> this has been another rendition of WTF Interviews. Stay tuned for further uh, announcements, and thanks for listening. Yes, yes, Sir Royce here. And I want to thank you again for listening to WTF Interviews. Leave a review as it helps more people like yourself receive the message. Also, consider donating to Welcome to Fatherhood. It's a nonprofit that myself and Dr. Raheem Young created to help dads showcase their superpowers to the masses. You can do that by going to WTFatherhood.org. Again, gratitude. And be well, you already are.